Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. I'm excited about today's episode where we're going to be talking about some of the essentials as a disciple, and I'm going to get to share with you some of my personal experiences as God has groomed me to disciple people in characteristics, traits, things that he has taught me by experience. I'm going to share some of those things with you. So let's jump in and let's talk about um, just some essential um, traits in discipling people. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about the terminology being a Paul, being a Timothy, and being a Barnabas. Now, in the scriptures, we learn a lot from Paul, um, and we learn a lot about his relationship with Timothy. Paul took Timothy up under his wing, um, and he discipled Timothy. So when I talk about being a Paul, I'm talking about the position of being the mentor. Um, Whereas when I talk about being a Timothy, I'm talking about taking on the position of the disciple, meaning I'm the one being mentored. If I use the term a Barnabas, Barnabas was known in the scriptures for being kind of a peacemaker, kind of that iron sharpening iron. So I say this to say, we like to say you should have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas in your life at all times. Meaning no matter what stage you're at, you should have somebody speaking into your life. You should be at a place where there is somebody that you're speaking into their life. And then you should have that iron sharpening iron relationship in your life as well. So just something for you to strive for. So let's talk about what does discipleship, discipling somebody require? What is one of the essentials? Well, first you have to be a Timothy first. So let's talk about being a disciple. Now I've talked throughout this entire series about the importance of your own relationship with the Lord, how your your relationship exemplifies something to imitate. That the whole discipleship process is more than just about giving and receiving information, but it's really about opening up your life, allowing somebody to come alongside you. Remember the in, inviting somebody to follow you and be in the same way with you. And so that requires you to be saturated in the person of Jesus Christ. This means you should be living in a continuum um, of being discipled. There should always be somebody discipling you. Now, I have uh, multiple disciples uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, I have my straight-up mentor that is Kate. I told you about her. She has been mentoring me since I was 25 years old. Uh, that is 23 years uh, so you can do that quick math, I'm 48 years old. She is still in my life. She is somebody that I talk to on a regular basis. Now, we don't necessarily have a set time where we talk on a regular basis. Because remember, now we're just in relationship. But she is somebody that I call when I need advice, when I need counsel, or just when I have something exciting going on in my life. We are in relationship. She's somebody that I trust to speak truth into my life, to correct me, navigate me. Um, and she just straight up disciples me in every area and every aspect of my life. Then I have a mentor specifically for the ministry. Uh, She's older, she's 83, she is an intercessor, she speaks prophetically into my life, Um, and I consider myself under her spiritually, even though she works for the ministry, and in in every sense of the word, she works for me. 
Spiritually, I consider her an authority figure or a head in my life. I also have my business coach, um, and he is somebody that I hire um, to that. Again, I've, I've worked with him for three years. I believe in life coaching and business coaching. Obviously, that's what I do for a living as well. Um, and so I need somebody who's going to speak specifically into my life in regard to organizational structure, setting goals, writing books, sticking to those goals, and just somebody that's really specifically helping me move forward um, in my business and in my ministry. So I actually have three people that I really consider um, people that are that I really have positioned myself under um, as a Timothy. I consider them a Paul in my life. So this is so important because this is the demonstration of humility that your Timothys, when you are going to be discipling people, they need to be able to see in your life that you are still teachable, that you have not figured it all out, that you are still looking for people in your life to speak truth into, that you're able to receive instruction, that you're able to receive correction, um, that you walk in the humility um, you walk in the humility of being disciple. So we must continually grow and fall in love with Jesus. I'm going to talk to you about the idea of even a continuum of being discipled by God. We know that even Jesus sat um, and received under the authority, the headship of God, that he positioned himself under um, God as a disciple in some regard. God discipled him while he was here on earth and walked with him through every situation. He did life with him. So we learn from that. And again, there's so it's so important that our disciples see that there is a continuum of our life of not just uh, having somebody speak into my life, but having somebody groom me spiritually, challenge me in my business, challenge me in our relationships. I want my disciples to see that I am continuously falling more and more in love with the product. I have found that most of the times my disciples organically receive out of what God has been doing in my own life. Things that I've been walking through, things that my mentors have shared with me, I then share it with them. Um, and so I'm in relationship with people above me and that spills out into the relationship with the people below me. And so it is so important. This is, this is the idea of the power of your testimony. Your testimony, your story presents the God possibilities in your disciples life. And so we need to be able to share like, this is how I'm being discipled right now. Not necessarily just by people, but how the Holy Spirit is discipling me, what I'm experiencing, what I'm learning from God, what I'm, what I'm learning through this actual experience that I'm walking through, the circumstance that I'm walking through. These are the things that are very, very valuable. If your disciple sees that you still take very seriously, that you are in every sense of the word, just as much a Timothy as you are a Paul, this will speak volumes to them. It will organically teach them that it is a continuum of, of laying ourselves low and being in a place where we're teachable, humble, moldable, allowing instruction to come into our life, welcoming correction. I'm not just talking about random people on Facebook. I'm talking about that you have intentionally sought out through the Holy Spirit people who are speaking truth in your life. Moreover, that you are allowing the Holy Spirit to disciple you throughout your entire life. These are the things that will speak volumes 
to your um, to your own disciples. Now I'm reminded of in Mark chapter 8, 27, where Jesus goes to um, all the, the disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say you're Elijah the prophet. Others say you're some sort of prophet. Um, and, and he says this phrase, and I want you to hear me saying this. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Now, I'm, I'm sharing this because what he was saying is, look, I need to know that you have more than information about me. I want to know how have you experienced me? This is a part of that being that Timothy under the headship of the Holy Spirit, spiritual people that God mentors that God has brought into your life who are speaking into your life, allowing you the opportunity, affording you the opportunity to experience God so that you can then teach your disciples more than information. You're not just saying, let me tell you about God or I know about God. You can say, let me share with you how I've experienced God. You can say, I don't just know about God. I know God. God has walked with me through this season and you're sharing those things with them. And this is hugely important. It is essential that your disciples know, see, recognize that you are still a Timothy yourself. All right, so let's go to part two, essential number two. Essential number two is compassion. Now, I want to share a personal testimony as I'm talking about compassion. Uh, years ago when I was starting out Crazy 8 Ministries, uh, I heard somebody preaching on the passage where Jesus says, it, it says he looks out into the crowd and he saw the people that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and that he had compassion on them. And that struck me, you know, when you're in that moment where you're hearing something, a message, a, a story that you've heard maybe a million times, and for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit wraps around it and it hits you and you know God is speaking directly to you and wanting you to receive something new, something fresh. This was that moment. When I heard that word compassion, I, I, I felt, sensed, heard just a story in my spirit that said, what do you know about my compassion? Now, in the natural, I am a truth teller. Um, I don't have a whole lot of compassion in my natural man. I, I would tell people a lot of times, like, in the natural, on the mercy meter, I'm way down here. Um, in the prophet meter, I'm way up here. A prophet is kind of more concerned about the, um, delivering the message and the message that's being delivered versus how the message is being delivered and how it's being received. So those are things that the Holy Spirit has worked out in my life. And in this place, God said, I want to talk to you about compassion. So I went home and I began to study compassion, ask the Holy Spirit. And I looked it up in the Greek and it literally means a wrenching of the guts, like a physical pain. When we talk about the seat of the emotions being in the stomach, uh, in, in the, in the Bible where it talks about the heart and the seat of the emotions, it's the idea of your, your guts, your loins being just uh, all up in here. And so this compassion is something, is a wrenching in the guts where we feel um, compelled to do something because I have such um, an urging, a, a wrenching in my stomach. I can't just sit here in it, but I have to do something about it. So God has taught me over the years the difference between 
sympathy, empathy, and compassion. I reflected back on that in one of the former episodes. Sympathy is like looking at somebody in a pit and you look at them and you feel sorry for them, but you don't really want to get involved. Um, or you're afraid to get involved. You want to get too close. Empathy is when you look at somebody, they're sitting in a pit and you're like, oh, I'm going to jump into the pit with you. And next thing you know, their pit becomes your pit. Now you guys are pit friends and, and you, you're sad because they're sad. And you just want to connect with them. But there, but compassion is, I'm going to jump into this pit and I'm going to connect with your pain and what's going on with you so that I can understand how to pull you out. So the end goal in compassion is ultimately, I want to act upon what I'm feeling. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. It means I'm gonna combine my emotion with an action. Now, a lot of us put action into play, but it's not compelled by compassion. That was what I was doing as a minister. God was like, you know what it looks like to be a minister. You've learned how to act like a minister, but the things that you're doing are not compelled by compassion. There's not an urging or a wrenching in your guts that I have to do something about this. And so I really asked the Lord to begin to teach me about compassion. There's a story that I tell in my book, From Information to Execution. If you haven't gotten my book on discipleship, From Information to Execution, get a copy of the book. I tell the story of how God asked me to wash the feet of an older woman who was in the room as I was praying for this compassion. And on obedience, super awkward experience, you want me to do what? She was wearing stockings, elderly woman. Um, and I had no idea. Just the Lord was like, I want you to wash her feet. And so on obedience, I did. And as I was praying over her feet, the Lord began to give me a vision. This is one of the first times I ever really experienced prophetic visions. Um, when I was just really starting to come into the wave of the Holy Spirit. And um, I started getting visions of, of the places her feet had been over the years. And I saw the ministry that she had been involved in. And my, I'm telling you, my stomach began to kind of like, I just had such this, I connected with the things that she had seen, but also the ways she had impacted people who were hurting, people who needed things, people who were homeless. And I felt that in my physical body. And as I was washing her feet, the Lord was just giving me a vision of all the places her feet had been. And she leaned over and she whispered in my ear, the Lord shows me that today he has transformed your heart more into a heart like his, and he is releasing his compassion within you. Now, I kid you not, this is exactly what I have been praying. God, if you're, you're going to have to give me that kind of compassion because I don't have it. And I, I don't know how to stir that up inside of me. And so I'm telling you from that day forward, the way I um, connected with people and was able to really uh, allow my heart to connect with them so that I could do something, again, different from empathy, um, that day things changed for me. So if you struggle with compassion, ask the Lord to release that because you have the heart of the Lord. And that's what, that's what God said. The problem is, is you're asking me for something I've already given to you. You just need to learn how to sit in it, connect with it, and release it. And that's what God did with the, 
washing that lane. God has given you compassion. You need to know that just because you've never felt it or you've never stepped into it doesn't mean you don't have it because you are designed, created in his likeness. And everything Jesus did was compelled by compassion. All right, so let's go on to the next essential, and that is sacrifice. Again, God had to teach me what does it look like to really sacrifice. Again, I was sitting somewhere listening to somebody talk about the story of the Good Samaritan and how the priest and the Levite walked by and kind of was like, oh, I see you and I see that you're hurting and kind of almost had this, somebody ought to do something to help that person. Like, I'm going to go pray for you in the church or I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go put a prayer request in for you or I'm going to go send money to you or whatever. But the point is, is the good Samaritan was the only one who was willing to stop what he was doing, sacrifice his time, sacrifice his ride, sacrifice his safety, walk across the street, get his hands legit dirty by helping this man who had been beaten up, robbed, stripped. Now I'm talking about people. I'm talking about people who are struggling, who have been stripped beaten, robbed by the enemy. Life has beaten them down. And a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, I'll be praying for you. Or, or we just write a check and none of those things are wrong. The question is, what are we doing to really sacrifice to help others? And the Holy Spirit began to ask me that. At this point was when I was kind of thinking about starting a housing program. I was doing the counseling program and God really convicted me and he said, if you are completely and totally available to me, I want to know, are you willing to sacrifice your schedule, sacrifice being a stay-at-home mom, sacrifice the ability to stay in your pajamas till 9 a.m. to really begin to get your hands dirty and come alongside my people who have been left alongside the road while the priest and the Levite walk by, feel sorry, but do nothing to actually get dirty, get involved and make a difference. I'm just sharing with you my personal testimony of how when you have decided you are going to come alongside somebody and you are going to disciple them, you need to know it will require sacrifice. There will be times I worked, I worked with youth. I still work with youth. Y'all, youth begin, they, they like turn on at 11 p.m. That's when they want to have a phone conversation. That's when all of a sudden they want to talk about all the things that have been bothering them. And when I had kids at home, and I still have kids at home. Well, my kids were little and I was a stay-at-home mom. That was not convenient for me. I had just gotten my newborn down to sleep and I knew I have three hours before this baby wakes up to feed. And if a student called me, I had to be willing to say, look, I'm going to sacrifice this so that I can disciple the students. Now, I want to be very, very careful here. When we're talking about laying down our life for our friends, we know that's what scripture says, that we are to lay down our life for our friends, just like Jesus. We know the scripture says in Romans 12, 1, that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, um, wholly acceptable to God, um, with that this is our reasonable service. That word sacrifice actually means to be victimized or to be a victim, to be slayer, to be slaughtered. But I want to be careful that we understand the motive here because I do think it's easy for us to sacrifice for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we sacrifice because we're afraid 
uh, that that person's going to be mad at, us, mad at us if we don't. Or I'm not going to be loved if I don't put myself aside and put this person first. So we sacrifice sometimes the wrong things for the wrong reasons. So when I say sacrifice, I'm not talking about uh, there, there may be seasons where God says, look, I want you to push the pause button on your dream because you need to pour into your, your kid or your husband or whatever it is. But ultimately, we should not be sacrificing our own design or our own self-care for to, to minister or to disciple to others. You've got to have those healthy boundaries. However, I do believe spiritually God will compel us to sacrifice more than we think he will uh, when we're willing to step outside of the fleshy sacrifice that we do out of fear, out of martyrdom, martyrdom, out of control. A lot of times we sacrifice and we're like, well, I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do all these things. And women, we are really good at doing that. Uh, and then we want, we want to be patted on the back and we complain and we whine. That is not the sacrifice I'm talking about. I'm talking about the sacrifice that is not braggadocious. I'm talking about the sacrifice that doesn't complain. I'm talking about the sacrifice that doesn't boast about it, doesn't post about it. Come on. I'm talking about the sacrifice that doesn't exhaust you, but it energizes you. I'm talking about the sacrifice that comes with a spirit of joy that makes you want to do more because it's compelled by the compassion of the kingdom. It's not compelled by your own fear and it's not compelled by the desire to be in control or to have everybody look at you or to look good or to look religious. The Bible says that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from, from me. It's easy to look like sacrifice. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a sacrifice that is compelled and you find joy in it. It's quiet. It's behind the scenes and it doesn't complain and it doesn't brag. All right, I got to move on. So we're talking also about the other essential is service. This goes along with um, sacrifice. Look, we often talk about the Timothy's serving the Pauls. We know Elisha washed the hands of Elijah. We know that Joshua served Moses. We know that as a Timothy, as an apprentice, you should be serving. But as a discipler, as a discipler, as a Paul, to the same degree, if not more, you should be demonstrating the importance of service by serving your Timothys. I cannot stress this enough. This and sacrifice goes hand in hand. And I'm telling you, if you don't find a joy in it, you're doing it out of your flesh. If you are saturating yourself, first and foremost, in the heart and in the compassion and in the Holy Spirit, you will find such joy in serving your Timothys. It will be easy. It will be easy. Remember, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He was executing the information of servitude by demonstration. There is no better way to teach servitude by demonstrating servitude. He was driving the message home with a demonstration of washing feet. Not so with the Pharisees who had taught that holiness was not about serving, but was rather about separating, being separate. But Jesus taught us that it's our servitude in and of itself is what will separate us from the world. This uncanny ability to serve with joy, without complaining, without being, uh, being bitter, 
at the people around you. Remember Mary and Martha. Martha had a joy in just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha or, or Mary had that joy. Martha was out serving and she was bitter because she because Mary wasn't helping her and all of these things. But Martha was serving out of her flesh. She wasn't being compelled to sit at the feet of Jesus in that moment. And so clearly her motive in her serving was not in the right place. So this is why it's so important that we stay saturated, first and foremost, as a Timothy, in the heart of God, that we capture the compassion of God. Because if your sacrifice and your service does not come out of the compassion of God, you you are out of order. You will be exhausted. You will become angry. You will become bitter. I'm telling you, this is the key to much joy in discipling others. So we're talking about more than just the steps of discipleship. We're talking about who you are behind the scenes. What are you doing to groom yourself, grow yourself as a mentor? That's why I'm telling you all these examples. When I first started Crazy Ministries, sometimes I would go over into the homes and I would be like, oh my gosh, this place is a mess. And I wanted to really get on them and discipline them and and be like, you need to clean this house, yada, yada. But the Lord began to teach me that one of the best ways to teach them how to clean their house was by getting in there and just serving them and doing it, doing it alongside them, um, inviting them in. But even if they didn't help, I, I felt this desire, this compassion to really just begin to help them. I began to see that they were struggling, overwhelmed with their children, trying to work, some of them going to school, and the house was overwhelming them. And so God began to show me that one of the best ways to disciple them was by serving them in that moment. I cannot think of a better example of how the Lord has taught me. And y'all, I do not have the gift of service, but I do have the likeness of Jesus. Therefore, in moments, by his compassion, there are absolutely times where he says, this is a place where you will serve and you will sacrifice. Okay, let me move on to the final essential, and that is you must have the heart of a parent. Now, Paul was more than just an advisor to Timothy. In Corinthians, it says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you may have had 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. There it is again, talking about living a life worthy of imitation. Anyone can instruct. Anyone can educate. Anyone can give information. In fact, anybody can criticize, correct, rebuke. But parenting requires love and relationship. Let me read it to you in the message. It says this. I'm not writing all of this as an as a neighbor neighborhood scold to shame you. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and I want you to grow up well. Look at the motive there. I do not want you to be spoiled. There are a lot of people around you who can't wait to tell you all the things you've done wrong. This cannot be your goal in discipling somebody. A lot of times, if, if you love disciplining and calling out people's wrong and you're like, I'm really good at giving advice and I love to tell people, then that's not the right, y'all, I do that because we act like that. And if your goal and your motive is to disciple somebody because you just want to teach them and show them how to live and all these things, that is not like a parent. Unfortunately, a lot of people parent that way. 
but Paul is, he is compassionate. He is like, man, I want you to grow up in the maturity of the kingdom. Let me finish it. It says, there are a lot of people around you who can't tell you all the things you've done wrong, but there are not many fathers who are willing to take the time and the effort to help you grow up, who are willing to cross the street, get their hands dirty, sacrifice time, sacrifice energy, sacrifice whatever, and really come alongside you. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim the good God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything that I'm not already doing myself. That goes back to, we have to be a Timothy. I'm not going to ask my disciples to live a life different than how I am living myself. One of the things that I've talked about with a lot of my staff members is we have an ISP program that we go through with our residents and it's pretty intense. And it talks about basically setting these daily goals and your health and your, how much water you're drinking and how much sleep you're getting and, and really looking at all the areas of your life and living a very intentional life. And one of the best ways we can train up our case managers is saying, look, I need you to do this program. I need you for 30 days to engage in your own ISP because we cannot ask our residents to do what we are not doing ourselves first. So super important and that will help you come, come next to your disciples more from a, parent, a parental uh, position as a parent in love and in relationship than just as a teacher or as an advisor in their life. All right, you guys, so this sums up the five essentials that I have learned. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.